Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Urrutia. And in this podcast, we are going to give kind of our more informed thoughts and opinions follow, you know, on the spring game after watching the, the TV copy. Uh, you know, spring games, there's a lot going on. Uh, you got to really pay attention to both sides of the ball yeah. at the same time, rather than just Miami is on offense, Miami is on defense. Um, so if we missed anything in that, you know, instant reaction podcast, hopefully we can clean it up here, uh, and just give more informed thoughts. Um, so let's, let's start there, Gabby. And, uh, let's start with the offense, uh, after, after rewatching it, what do you feel like is, is kind of the, the best thing Miami got out of the scrimmage on that side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I thought the offensive, like, like the first team offensive line, I don't think that, I didn't think that they were too bad. You know, I think that there was some improvement there. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I thought I was pretty encouraged. I mean, I thought Zion Nelson looked really good. I mean, I was kind of watching DJ Scape sometimes too. It seems like, you know, DJ Scape got like right up in, in Leonard Taylor's grill a couple of times and I think did a good job kind of like, you know, holding him down. So, I mean, Maybe, I mean, maybe we are actually are sipping the DJ Scape Kool-Aid that uh, Alex Mirabal poured out for everyone, um, you know, earlier in the spring, uh, you know, so I, I was pretty encouraged by what I saw from him. Um, you know, I feel like even the the, the running backs, I thought were, were just better. I mean, just even as pass catchers, like I feel like Henry Parrish, I think we know can be a threat in the passing game as well after watching him. Um, even Thad Franklin, I thought was like even pretty like encouraging yeah. in terms of just him being able to catch a, uh, catch a ball out of the backfield and just kind of run. And I mean, just f- fell forward a ton and, you know, kind of watching back. I mean, I'm not saying Thad Franklin is anything close to RB one, but man, I think he's a pretty solid number four running back. Like I think if it ever got to that point, um, you know, I think he's someone that can help in certain situations. I mean, just even in those short yardage packages. So um, yeah, uh, I think Xavier Restrepo is going to, I'm just kind of firing off takes here. I'm kind of, I'm kind of on board with the Xavier. I think Xavier Restrepo might be the, you know, pass catching leader, um, you know, potentially yardage receptions, everything from the slot, just because, you know, I think it's clear that he's maybe just the most polished guy out there. Also, I mean, I know it's spring and I know it's supposed to be vanilla, but it felt like almost like an ask Madden playbook where it's just like, we're just going to run like the most basic like concepts like that are out there. But yeah, I mean, overall, I didn't think, I mean, I thought the first team offense was really good kind of watching back on that opening drive where they just marched down the field and scored. I mean, really, I think that's just what you wanted to see. I think even with Tyler Van Dyke leading them, I feel like they had multiple drives where they were just constantly moving the sticks and all that didn't hit on any of those big plays, but again, really liked to see the shots that were taken. And, you know, I'm just, I was just encouraged about the way the offense was sort of flowing and just moving even with a, a few guys out. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Um, and I agree, right, with your assessment on the offensive line and the run game in particular. Uh, you know, it's not exciting, I think, to talk about the run game in a spring game. And quite frankly, I don't know how often run games get highlighted in spring games around the country, right? Uh, but that is a reflection 
of Mario Cristobal and the identity he wants to establish at Miami. Um, you know, I think going into this spring, the biggest area he needed to address on offense had to do with the run game. Uh, you, you look at the advanced metrics from last season, Miami was one of the least effective uh, offensive lines, uh, you know, by metrics that measure these things. Uh, there's metrics out there that, that uh, show how effective an offensive line is uh, in short yardage situations, you know, how effective an offensive line is or a run game is in general of um, converting third and fourth down situations, you know, third and fourth and short down situations, uh, which, you know, I think Miami fans anecdotally would agree with those metrics that it did seem like Miami's run game failed to convert third and short, fourth and short last year in the run game. Um, and so I think that was the big point of emphasis, right? We knew, we know that Tyler Van Dyke is a very right. good college quarterback. Uh, what needed to be developed and highlighted, amplified was the run game. How much progress could we see from the offensive line run blocking? And from these running backs, both Henry Parrish, who's a new guy, what has Miami gotten him? And Thad Franklin, who was a young guy last year, has some talent, um, had an opportunity to show what he could do because uh, a couple guys are being held out this spring. Um, and, and he did perform. And you look at Oregon last year in these advanced metrics, and they, are, they were essentially a top 15 team uh, when it came to running the ball by grading how offensive lines do, uh, rushing the ball, and in short yardage situations. I was encouraged, right? You look at those touchdowns. Uh, they were all kind of two, three-yard touchdown runs. Uh, they converted a lot of third and shorts to extend drives. Um, it's a lot of, you know, I think, the run schemes, the run play designs are fun to watch if you really nerd out to them and you compare them to what the often, you know, the run designs were of the Rhett Lashley system. And again, I say all this, I always say this, like I'm not throwing shade at the Rhett Lashley system, right? Any system can work. Um, but in terms of like uh, generating run angles, uh, winning leverage in the run game. This Mario Cristobal slash Josh Gaddis system is going to do a better job of creating easy yardage in the run game for the running backs with pin and pull schemes, right? I think we saw too, a lot of pistol formations, which I think was cool that, you know, those looks, uh, you know, it's kind of a nod too to Jim Mastro, who was Mario Cristobal's running backs coach at Oregon. Previously, he was a uh, coach at Nevada who uh, kind of really pushed the pistol formation for a while, a decade ago or so. Um, so Mario's bringing that to Miami, which I think is cool because, again, those looks help on the outside zone runs, helps you create angles to the outside, leverage to the outside. And I think we saw some success with those pistol formation looks. Uh, we saw tight ends as lead blocker, lead blockers, uh, as H backs, right. Um, it's just a lot more creativity in the run game play designs. Um, and I'll say this too. I think you're right in terms of like, you know, look, the, the actual plays were very vanilla, but, and I don't know if you picked up on this Gabby, but I, they did throw a lot of formations, like a lot of eye candy out there. Um, you know, you had trips looks uh, with three wide receivers on one side. You had two tight ends lining up all over the place at times uh, in different spots during the course of the scrimmage. You had pistol looks. You had, uh, they came out, uh, I think the first play of the scrimmage was an empty set where Henry Parrish was lined up out wide. Um, so they certainly, and this is all on purpose, they gave 
Miami's opponents in 2022, plenty of formations to have to study and look at, uh, but they didn't necessarily show, show what they got in terms of like the play designs that they're going to be running out of these formations. So in general, I, I do, I am excited about this offense schematically. Um, you know, we didn't get to see it all, of course, in the spring game, but I do like, you know, when, when Gaddis does open things up a little bit in the passing game and you get to see the crossers, the way that they, they create easy opportunities for the tight ends, for Jacoby George as a crosser, um, for running backs, you know, it's dump off looks to the running backs, but the running backs have 10 easy yards to go pick up after the catch. Um, it just seems like an offense that does a really good job of utilizing every position um, and every part of the field. And when you combine those looks in the passing game with kind of the Mario Cristobal run game philosophies, um, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like in the fall. Yeah. I mean, when they start firing, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. And I just think you also, I mean, I feel like, you know, there, there's weapons all over the place. I mean, we've seen what Jalen Knighton has been able to do both in the running and the passing game. Um, you know, when you get a, a fully healthy Don Chaney to act, you know, sort of compliment with Henry Parrish, um, you know, I think, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm really excited about it. And yeah, like, you know, of course, when they start dialing it up, I think it's going to get really interesting. And, you know, so I, I mean, I'm encouraged about the offense again. I mean, I've always felt like, you know, you have the quarter, if you have the quarterback, you give yourself a chance. And, you know, yeah. especially with the way Tyler Van Dyke, again, just continuing to kind of stay in that mindset of just take those shots uh, along with the running game. And I think how that's going to sort of progress with Alex Mirabal and, you know, these, some of these backs that I think all complement each other really well and all bring something different, um, you know, especially, and then just got Josh Gaddis just, uh, you know, working his little magic and all that stuff. I think it's going to be a fun, a fun unit to watch in 2022. This might be the, this might be the most complete designed offense Miami has run in a long, long time. Yeah. So we'll see how it all comes together. I think it's going to be fun to watch in terms of defenses will really be stretched in terms of, you know, having to key in on a lot of different position groups. Um, if they and had you know, a true, like you, if there was a true wide receiver one, like how, like how excited would that make you about this offense? Like a no doubt type of guy. Right. Like if Charleston Rambo is coming right. back, no doubt. I mean, I think then we could have the discussion of, is this offense going to be elite? Yeah. Um, so, you know, we can't have that discussion uh, because there is that question mark, but I do think we can have the discussion of like, I think it's fair to say this offense is going to be good. Right. Yeah. I think if a wide receiver kind of steps up, um, I think we can have the discussion of, okay, can this offense go from being good to great? Yeah. Um, I think that's fair to have, but in terms of elite, we need to see a lot more. Um, I don't know. I, I, I do like the receivers definitely, uh, the first quarter was kind of rough in general with the passing game. I think it was a mix. Like Tyler did miss some throws. Um, and then there was of course drops. Um, I don't know though. I, I still think I, I still think there's something there with Jacoby George. I think there is a good player there. Um, you know, he tried to do the one hand catch on one of those crossers. That would have been a huge gain. Uh, and it hit him in the hands. And if he just tried to do a regular two hand catch, he would have caught it probably. Um, and we, we might not even be having this discussion, right? right? Um, people inside the building are very, very excited about Jacoby George. Um, I think the traits are there, the abilities there, you just got to go out and show it. Uh, and I kind of think he will, um, but yeah, is this an elite offense? I don't know. I, I I would say that's maybe too extreme, but I do think I do think it can be a good to great type of offense uh, in 2022 here. Um, Keyshawn Smith, man, I wish he came down with one of those. Yeah, I mean the first one, right? That was just like a free play. 
So it was a free play. Defense was off sides. It seemed like Keyshawn and Jacoby kind of ran to the same spot. And it was like an awkward uh, jump ball situation where, where Keyshawn jumped and, and Jacoby was trying to run under it. So it hit Keyshawn in the gut and he kind of fell hard awkwardly and the ball popped up. The second one that Keyshawn dropped was tough because those opportunities, like it was like a tracking, mm-hmm. tracking the ball right. in the air, just couldn't come down with it. Those are the ones that he's got to catch. Those are the ones that Charles Rambo caught. And that was why Miami's offense took off in the second half of the season last year. So um, I think I understand why the fan base, I don't know. Do you think the fan base is, is super down on the uh, receiver group? Or do you feel like it's just kind of they're viewing it as a question mark? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I feel like maybe some people are just kind of like, I, I feel like there's also some like PTSD there with the drops because a few years ago, that was like a big deal. So that, I mean, that I feel like especially that first quarter, there was just like a ton of plays that like were just kind of yes. like left out there. Um, again, some of those, maybe those big time plays that just weren't finished. So, um, you know, I, maybe just being cautiously optimistic, uh, maybe they're just question marks. Um, I'm sure there are people out there that are just like, oh, here we go again. These guys can't catch or anything like that. But, you know, I would, I, I would, you know, just say kind of just like I would push back on that just like you know just give this a little bit more time and let these guys just kind of continue to to kind of do this I, I feel like it'll all come together I think there's talent in there um again I'm not like super high in the receiver room I'm not saying this is like a great unit or anything like that but um you know I think if these guys kind of just again piece it together I mean I think it could be I all think right I I feel better about this group than I do the 2020 group that you know struggled to get separation on the outside to make contested catches on the, and that group was, I believe like it was, it was Mark Pope. It was D Wiggins, um, a young Keyshawn Smith who barely played. I forget if I'm, I mean, Mike Harley played in the slot, so I'm not including him as an outside receiver. Um, I mean, wasn't that, that was like the first, the first year of Lashley. Yes. It was I feel like yeah. that was the year that they only rotate. Like it was like, I feel like four receivers rotated in. It wasn't even like that many guys even were getting reps. So you might've covered them all. Right. So I feel better about this group than I do that group in terms of like, I think Jacoby and Keyshawn can create separation. I think Jacoby can make contested catches. Um, unfortunately we didn't see that. Right. Um, and I, let's. I, was like, say, I did, I did. I did like the play where they just like moved the entire pocket. And we're able to, and then they hit Jacoby George on the, on the, like, you know, just like that front pylon basically to have that easy score. So I like, I kind of like that little design too for Jacoby. And Romello Brinson, who I think has some talent too, uh, again, got to see it, but uh, I think he's a guy that could factor into the playing rotation too, as an outside receiver. He was held out this spring uh, due to an off season shoulder procedure. So anything else on the offense to touch? I, I like. I mean, I agree with you on that. Uh, I would not have assumed Thad would factor much into the playing rotation this year uh, before the spring. Um, but he does, he needs some sort of role uh, this year because he does, you know, once he gets going downhill, he's tough to bring down. And, uh, you know, I think he's that, he's a perfect like fourth quarter back. Yeah. to wear down a defense with right and sure. a short he yard falls forward yeah right. i think he was always falling forward so that's good right so uh and yeah offensive line you know dj scafe yeah i mean he's he did his thing um i don't really have a i i think last year they were fine in pass pro yeah and uh that's the case this you know that we saw in the spring um how much of that is because Miami's pass rush is kind of a question mark. I don't know. I think that's a fair discussion to have. Um, but yes, overall, uh, I think the offense went out and accomplished what Mario Cristobal would have hoped at the start of the spring. And that was show that you can run the ball, be effective in that phase, and uh, you know, let's have a balanced type of offense. How about defense? What do you got there? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I kind of just 
even just reiterating what I said after the game, like, I mean, I thought that there, I thought it was just maybe just a little cleaner in terms of just like, you know, just being physical uh, tackling, um, you know, I guess a couple guys uh, flashed. I thought Jake Lichtenstein was, was pretty good. Um, you know, came up obviously with that fumble recovery that I guess they just kind of gave him back. I thought Cyrus Mahas, you know, when he did get his opportunities, I think you definitely saw some of those, you know, that some of that pass rush ability, uh, secondary again, I thought was awesome. I mean, just kind of watching back that, you know, that Frank Ladson play that we talked about, um, on, on Saturday after the game, like, I mean, I thought that was really good coverage from Isaiah Dunson, like all the way through on that ball. So, um, kind of encouraged by him, um, I mean, Frierson, I thought Frierson was really good. I mean, just walking yeah. watching the playback where he kind of just like came off the edge and had kind of stuck Henry Parrish behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, I thought that was really good. He, I feel like he made a couple other big plays, you know, at other points of the game as well. Uh, to Corey couch. I didn't think to Corey couch was, was, was bad either. Um, again, nothing like crazy. I'm not like, I mean, but I, I thought there was some encouraging things where you're just like, okay, I could see that this group is just kind of trending in the right direction. Uh, I would have liked to see Jafari Harvey. Yeah, not thrilled about like the pass rush as a whole. Um, right. But, you know, I thought it was fine for what it is and, you know, also factoring in the guys that were just missing. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Uh, and, and, you know, again, we after the game, we felt like, you know, when watching it live, like the tackling was improved. I think that's that stands after watching it again. Uh I can't really remember any like egregious missed tackles. Um, And, you know, I think the other thing we were looking for with this defense in the spring in general was, uh, you know, how sound would they be, right? So busts um, beyond missed tackles. And and I think in general, um, and, and, you know, some of this is probably due to some vanilla play calling, if we're being honest, Um, but there was really no big plays that were allowed. Uh, I think maybe the biggest play was the 26 yarder to Khalil Brantley. And on that play, there was kind of a bust. I felt like by Keontre Smith kind of got caught in traffic on a crosser. So Brantley ran a crosser. Um, Keontre, I think couldn't, couldn't decide whether or not he was supposed to pass him off or stick with him. Bottom line is that, that, you know, brief pause allowed Keontra or Khalil to be wide open and pick up, uh, you know, an easy 26 yards on a crosser. Um, beyond that, I don't know if I really have any noticeable busts um, to highlight that the, that the defense committed. Um, so, you know, in general too, I, I think, you know, it was a solid day by the defense again, I think I said this in the instant reaction. Does this defense have like a bunch of game wrecking playmakers? No, uh, that needs to happen through recruiting, through transfer portal additions, maybe. Um, but can they be a sound defense that makes an offense work? You know, all those, I feel like all those offensive drives, uh, the touchdowns, they had to like punch it in from inside the five yard line. Right. Um, which is kind of what you want a defense to force an offense to do. If an offense can score outside the red zone, that's, uh, that's kind of disastrous. So um, defense made the offense work uh, despite missing some key personnel. And uh, we'll see if, if this veteran coaching staff can still have them playing in a sound connected way um, kind of a, kind of a bend, but don't breaky type of way, um, in the fall, anything else to highlight? Not really. I think on defense, I'm pretty good there. So name a player that you thought was better, um, than you originally thought when watching it live. So watching back on tape, who, who's, who jumped out to you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought that I thought that was pretty good. You know, again, just in in sort of this situation, um, I I think that he can have a role. And again, even just watching him catching passes out of the backfield, like I thought he was some. I I thought he was okay at doing that too. I'm not sure he did that a ton in high school. I definitely didn't see do a lot of it at Chaminade. So um, watching him even kind of you know 
do those types of things. I mean, again, I mean, I, I'm just the, the short yardage situations. I feel like that was really good in those. Um, you know, I thought he was good at, again, just kind of gaining that extra yard or two that he would get by just like, you know, just falling forward. So, you know, I thought that had an okay day, just kind of watching what I did, you know, outside of my recruiting stuff that I was doing and, you know, just kind of being on the field and, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, but I, I thought, I thought, I thought he was all right, man. And again, I yeah. didn't have much expectations for that at all this spring. Like I, I thought maybe, you know, he would have an opportunity, um, with all these guys being out, but I think he's capitalized on some of those. And I think he's gone from being someone that maybe I didn't have many expectations of to being like, Hey, you know, I could see Thad having, you know, maybe four or five touchdowns this year, just kind of, you know, sure. you know, goal line situations and Hey, let's throw in number 22 to see if he can push us and get us those extra two or three yards we need. That's a good one. I'll go defensively and I will highlight Avante Williams. I thought, you know, watching the game back, he did play pretty physical, pretty fast, um, took some good angles to the ball carriers on some uh, outside runs or in the quick game two um, to the perimeter. So uh, Avante, you know, we, we've hyped up his talent and uh, I think he flashed that a little bit right when he was thrown into the fire last year. Um, I think he looks more comfortable this year just more settled in right with that experience under his belt. Um, and I thought he, he played a really nice game, uh, on Saturday. I also want to highlight, you know, I'll admit I was a little skeptical of the, uh, the whole Thomas Davis buzz stuff, right. Um, he was getting some buzz leading up to spring game. And I just wanted to see the contact. Like I wanted to see him do it against the first team um, because you never know what it means if a guy's getting a ton of sacks in practices or in scrimmages, you know, who's he going against? What's the situation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on Saturday, Thomas did have a sack on Jake Garcia when he was going against Zion Nelson. Um, they didn't count it, uh, but it should have counted. Thomas definitely sacked him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know like what his role's going to be. I don't think he's going to have a, a, a major role, but is he a guy that can play 10 snaps a game as a pure pass rusher in obvious passing situations? There might be something to that. You know, his quickness off the ball is, is impressive. Um, his ability to play low certainly helps him in terms of He's difficult to block. Um, and so, you know, I was a little skeptical. I'll admit it. But there is something there with Thomas Davis. Yeah, man. I mean, Thomas Davis was like a two-time, like first team all like state linebacker in Georgia's highest classification. Yeah. I mean, there, there Good we go. Player. Good player. I mean, yeah. I mean, just kind of watching. And even, yeah, the, I mean, over the course of the spring, you know, I feel like he's kind of been highlighted a few times. So. Hey, let's let I I can I can get on board with uh Thomas Davis getting getting some run. Yeah, 62235. So the reason why I was skeptical is cuz that's not an ideal body type, yeah. right? At a Power 5 program for a defensive end. Uh but can he be a role player and a productive role player? I think I think he can be. Um most improved position group uh from from the start of the spring or maybe from what you expected at the start of the spring to what we saw in the spring game, what position group would you highlight? Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, again, kind of boring, but I just think even just the, the short yardage stuff from the O-line and just like how we were, how Miami was just more successful with that. I think that's a really positive, like tangible, something that we can just see that was just better. And again, against Miami's defensive line, which is, you know, sort of is what it is. I mean, obviously got to see them do it on Saturdays, but I thought that there was just, again, just kind of watching the, those guys move around, uh, you know, pool and all that, all those fun things that they were doing up front. Um, you know, I thought that they were more, I thought they were consistent. They were more consistent in terms of actually getting the yardage that they need, obviously got stuffed a couple of times and you know, it is what it is, sure. but, um, I'm encouraged by the progress that they're making and, uh, you know, what we sort of saw from them on Saturday. I agree. I, that's that group I would highlight as well. Cause I honestly didn't see, you know, there's still a ways to go, right? We're not, right. we're not sitting here saying 
they are an offensive line group that's going to straight up mash every team. Um, I think what we're alluding to is, you know, last year Miami's uh, offense was ranked in the hundreds for tackles for loss allowed. And, you know, I think it was close to seven per game, if I remember correctly. Um, In that scrimmage, I can remember two bad tackles for loss that were allowed in the run game. Um, And in general, right, it just seems like this offensive line is playing with better surge up front in those short yardage situations. Um, So, yeah, we're not sitting here saying Miami is going to be a, you know, top 25 running game. Uh, but can they go from being an, a run game that's statistically, no matter what statistic you look at in the hundreds, can they g- make that jump from the hundreds to the fifties? I think that's possible. I didn't know if I thought that was going to be possible at the start of the spring. And if they are able to make that type of jump, um, that's only going to make Miami's offense more dangerous, right? Cause then you can't key in on, uh, Tyler Van Dyke solely. Um, name a player. So there was a lot of guys, a lot of two deep guys that, that didn't participate in the scrimmage for various reasons, whether it's a little, they got a little dinged up during spring, um, or they had an off season procedure in which they, they were held out of action during the spring. Um, let's just leave it at those guys, but so we're not going to include like the transfers that are incoming right. this summer. Um, name a player though, that, that was held out of the scrimmage that you feel like you're now intrigued. Like, okay, when he gets back, he can provide a nice little boost to that position group. Yeah. I mean, I might go Romelo Brinson just because again, I don't think any of the receivers really did anything where I'm just like, all right, like, I think Romelo Brinson is a guy that can, I, I thought he showed flashes. I mean, just like that big playability. We saw that sports center top 10 play he made, um, or, you know, at, I forgot, I don't even remember who Miami did it against, who he did it against. Um, I think it was but, the central Connecticut. State. There you go. So the big, bad central Connecticut state. Um, but even I feel like over the course of the year, when he kind of started to play more, I feel like he kind of, you know, yeah. had, he definitely had his moments. Guy. Yeah, I think he, I do think he's a talented guy. And again, he's kind of long and all those things checks a lot of those boxes for, for Miami. So again, with no true number one receiver stepping up, I mean, can Romello Brinson be that guy for Miami? Is he someone that can come in despite missing a spring and all those types of things? And he's been rehabbing. Can he come in over the, over the course of the summer and into the fall, just kind of, you know, just, you know, elevate that room. Um, I think other guys obviously have a, a, a good opportunity. I mean, just have a that I could could have mentioned a bunch of guys here. I think I can think of like four guys off the top. Who would of my you head. go with on defense? I mean, I'd go Jafari just because I mean, just because of everything we sort of heard from him over the course of the spring, and then just kind of him being held out of that of that of the spring game and all that stuff. And yeah, that you know, I just think that he's someone that obviously I think I would have liked to have seen him do it. I think it's like one of those things are you hear that he can do it but we need to actually see that he can do it consistently. And can he be that, that true kind of, you know, pass rush, you know, kind of setting the edge type of guy for Miami. So Jafari Harvey is probably who I'd go with um, on the defensive side. Obviously he was around all spring, except for the scrimmage, if he was dinged up or whatever it is. So I would have liked to see him let it loose a little bit. I am curious how Jalen Knighton's going to look in this offense because, um, I think he's a guy that would really benefit from, uh, you know, just the, the zone schemes that are being implemented. I think this system is going to do a good job of getting these running backs plenty of space to operate when they first take the ball. Um, and then it's up to them to let their vision and athleticism take over. I feel like there was a lot of times last year where Jalen Knighton would take the ball and there was immediately someone already in the backfield. And that of course throws everything off in the run game. So I think, you know, Henry Parrish is the real deal. He's a very good player. Um, he could definitely be the leading rusher this year. Uh, but I still think Jalen Knighton is the most talented running back on the roster in terms of his uh, speed, his burst, 
um, his home run hitting ability. And so if his vision uh, and, and feel allows him to play well in the system, which I think it will, I think he could be a, a big time productive player as a running back in this system. So I'm excited to see yeah, him. That's a good um, one. I would also highlight, you know, Will Mallory, they talked about on the broadcast, how the coaches love him, And we saw it in the spring of practices. Yeah. We got to watch and He was a big contributor in the 11 on 11 windows. We got to see um, Tyreek Stevenson. I think he's yeah. a big deal. I'm sure. curious, honestly, like where they're going to play him. Um, cause I'm curious if they feel like, do they feel so good about their cornerback room that they feel like they can push Tyreek to like that big nickel role? Yeah. Um, that, that would be interesting. I mean, I feel like that's something he's done too, right? Like, isn't that kind of like what he played at Georgia? Did that at Georgia. He didn't like it. I mean, that's why he transferred to Miami, but, uh, I mean, regardless, he'd be a, he's a starter at corner if, yeah. if they're going to use him in that role too. Along similar lines, right? Camp Kitchens. Um, I think he's a guy that's a, that's one of their 11 best defensive players. Um, and even though you have Avante Williams and James Williams at safety, I think you got to find a way to put Camp Kitchens on the field too. So I would have been curious to see how they used him. Um, you think he's someone that could fill could, could, that could be like that nickel? Like you absolutely. Think yeah, yeah, I think he could be. Um, but again, Gilbert Frierson played pretty well in that role yeah, too. Um, and then lastly, you know, Wesley Besaint slash Chase Smith, uh, you know, as those athletic young linebackers that are oozing with potential, uh, would have liked to see them in the spring game, see what they can do. Um, and they might be the answer, right? We don't know. Sure. Uh, in terms of body types and athleticism, they are – hopefully the answer, but, uh, you know, they're young. So lots of guys were out. I think it's, yeah. it's important to remember that, you know, it, this was a glimpse and, and I think the depth is better than what we saw, uh, in that spring game. Yeah. I, I one, real, one more guy I'll, I'll add to that is probably Elijah Roberts too, just because I think sure. he's someone that they're really high on as well. Like someone that they thought can come in and potentially, you know, start at one of the end spots or, or potentially kick inside, but I think they like him uh, uh, at the end. So, you know, Elijah Roberts going down early in the spring, mm -hmm. uh, I think kind of shook things up too. So I, I'm, I'm encouraged about what he could potentially bring as well. There's Antonio Moultrie, the UAB. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of guys um, of dudes. that could have, they're, they're two deep guys that um, were held out for spring. So keep that in mind when you, nitpick the spring game um let's let's go out on this note right uh spring is, is a snapshot right of, of what your team is going to be for the upcoming season so uh we've learned plenty of good things but there are some questions that still need to be answered between now and the start of the 2022 season what is your biggest question with this team going into this season I mean, maybe for, for, I mean, just really, I guess, going into like the, like, you know, this into the summer and all that stuff for me, it's just who else are they adding? Um, what else is this? Like, who else is going to be on this team when, you know, that time comes in terms of just like, again, the they're still being really, yeah, they're being really active with the transfer portal. Um, you know, I think they're still trying to, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that later on in the podcast. So I'm interested to see what this team even just looks like, who else is kind of on board and, uh, you know, how does that sort of shift around the perception of the roster, um, you know, even potentially on the, on the defensive side. So yeah, I'm with that. And I guess otherwise is, you know, I mean, for me, it's just, can you, can someone step up and give Tyler Van, like be a weapon for Tyler Van Dyke on the outside? Because I mean, if you get, I think if you just give him one big receiver, we obviously saw it with Rambo, um, how much more dangerous that makes Miami. And I think it just opens up everything up even more. So who's going to step up and, and be that wide receiver one. If I give you only one portal position, are you going wide receiver or do you still go linebacker? I mean, I'll probably go linebacker just because I know, I mean, I don't know, man, but like, if you can, I don't know if you can be one portal position, I'll probably go linebacker if it's the right guy. 
I would probably have to see some names. Like I would have to like, it's, if you can be like, if you can get me like a top linebacker, let's say it's a guy, let's say a 900 yard receiver or a hundred tackle linebacker. Nah, I'll take the hundred tackle linebacker. Okay. I would, I would agree. I, to, you know, to me, that's still the biggest question mark on the team. Yeah. It is still a position that hasn't been addressed now for what, two years via the portal. Yeah. They haven't taken a linebacker. So Not I know yet. they're trying to, right. um, so we'll see if they can get that done and, uh, kind of fill that hole, um, uh, on the defense. Um, but yeah, I think overall, uh, I like the trajectory of this team from the starting point to the end of spring. Got to keep pushing forward and building on this. And uh, like you're alluding to Gabby, you got to keep adding talent. I think it's worth mentioning, right? Like the, the deadline I think is what may 1st for portal guys. So if you're going to transfer and play this upcoming season, you have to enter the portal by May 1st. Yeah. So you don't, ha- you don't have to pick your destination by correct. May 1st. You just have to be in the portal. Correct. So uh, with that in mind, I would imagine a bunch more names will be entering here in the next, what? That's about two weeks, a little less than two weeks. Right. So uh, let's take a break and we will get more into like what we learned about recruiting and talent acquisition with this staff during the spring months eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. Um, Gabby, let's just start here, right? Uh, Lots of names rolled through. Uh, You have a good article on InsideTheU.com that kind of highlights all the big-time names that did come through this spring. Uh, So when you look back at spring, right, Take it back, big picture, 10,000-foot view of Miami's recruiting efforts this spring. Um, Let's give me three names that you feel like Miami made a big move for. Three names that I think Miami made a big move for. I'll go Jalen Brown. I will go Jackson Howard. And honestly, just maybe recency bias, but I mean, I I might go Peyton Kirkland, who I just spoke to today. Okay, let's go. Let's let's. Discuss in that order. Jalen Brown, the is he still a five star? He's still a five star. Yeah, correct? I believe so. On the, on the composite, he is five star wide receiver out of Gulliver Prep. Uh, you know, things have we felt good about Miami there uh, with Jalen for a while. But what makes you what makes you want to list him here again? Yeah, you know, I just kind of I, I just think Miami's in a really good spot here, and you know, he's going to continue to take his visits. He'll be at LSU this weekend, but. You know, I, I mean, look, man, he grew up right down the street from the university of Miami's campus. He passes it every day on his way to school. Um, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, this is the place where I feel like maybe, you know, he, I mean, his dad's here, he grew up here. I just think that there's a, I, I do think there is a connection to the program for Jalen Brown. He's been around a ton. 
Um, you know, just even coming off of that spring bus tour, I'm just kind of like retra- retracing all the times he came. The spring bus tour came back the next day when there was no school, just spent all day at Miami. Like he was just dropped off there like nine o'clock to five o'clock, uh, just spent the whole time at Miami. He was there at practice on Thursday, just kind of hanging out. You know, it just started, it's just starting to see, I mean, I'm starting to just sense that he just feels so comfortable with Miami. And, um, you know, I think a decision could be coming relatively soon. And, uh, you know, I just think Miami's in a really good spot right now. And then Jackson Howard, right, yeah. who is a four-star. I believe he's top 100, top 100 yeah. player out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was here for Elite Prospect Day in January, came back, spring game weekend. What makes him, what makes him a guy you want to list in this category? I mean, I'm, I'm approaching crystal ball territory with Jackson okay. Howard. Um, you know, just talking to him on Saturday, I mean, Again, this is this guy was just absolutely off for it. He seemed just like all about Miami, um, you know, just kind of just talking about the coaching staff, how he hears from every single person on the staff, how, you know, he just loves coach Stephen Field, who has been recruiting him to play tight end. Sounds like he might be making that move to defensive end. And so he got to meet uh, coach Rod Wright and uh, Jason Taylor and a, a bunch of these dudes. And, you know, his dad is really close with Joe Salavea in the league together. I think Miami might have to hold off maybe an LSU who's going to get a visit this coming weekend and, you know, the, the in-state Minnesota. But, I mean, I think it's I think it'll be tough for the Gophers and P.J. Fleck to keep a big-time in-home ta- in-state talent like that home. So, you know, I really just think Miami's in a really good spot there. And, uh, you know, if I were making a mock class today, I would probably put him in it. And then the mountain of a man, Peyton Kirkland, out of Orlando, Dr. Phillips, offensive lineman. He goes about what, like six, five, six, six, three, fifty. Yeah, I would say roughly around there. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty fair estimate. Um, I'm not sure exactly what his official measurements are, but uh, just kind of staring at him in the face today, it felt like that's about right. Um, look, I mean, I, I, this was the first time he really got to spend any like real intimate time around Miami, and uh, you know, he's always been kind of considering them at least since Alex Mirabal, Mario Cristobal got down here. Uh, he's been to Florida a bunch of times, but I think this was like his. He and he was at Miami for Elite Prospect Day, but I mean, if we're if we're talking, if we're keeping it kind of real, you know, hindsight three months later that was just kind of a lot you know in terms of Miami not having a ton of coaches on staff and just just so many people being there it was really really difficult to create like that intimate setting I think you know the fact that Kirkland spent the last 48 hours there with his mom um he he was there with a couple other people too I'm assuming his dad because his dad was just another ginormous human being and uh, it could be it could have been a brother or a cousin or, or something like that that was also with him um you know just talking to him today he was just like you know like I see the vision like I get it like I get what they're trying to do um I see what it is that they sort of want from me from what I expect I mean he called it He's called something like offensive line heaven or something like that. And, you know, just really, I think he's just bought in on Mario Cristobal, Alex Mirabal. And, you know, he told me today, like, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to envision myself somewhere else, given what I've experienced over the last 48 hours. And I get that this is a kid that takes a lot of visits and he said a lot of positive things about each of those visits every time he's winning. I'm sure he believes those things, but, uh, you know, just the fact that it is Miami and considering who it is that's running Miami two offensive line guys. And, um, you know, just the fact that he actually got to sort of just experience it in full now, um, I think is a pretty big deal. He also told me Miami's going to get the final official visit before he makes that July commitment alongside Malik Bryant and Derek LeBlanc. Um, so uh, I think that that's a big deal too, that Miami will have that final word. So I know like maybe early, early on, Georgia was kind of a team to beat. Is it now like the main competition, like Florida? Or who would you say is like the main competition Miami's fighting against for Mr. Kirkland. Yeah. I mean, I would probably go Florida. I know he's spent, I know he's been there, um, you know, just, just a ton of times and, you know, he's obviously just spent like, you know, just uh, again, a lot of just time over there. And so I think that that's a, a pretty, I think that's a pretty big deal. Just, I mean, just it being Florida, the way that Florida successfully recruited central Florida, especially the Tampa area, all that stuff. So uh, I think Florida is probably the, the biggest concern right now. They're the 24 seven sports crystal ball favorites. So, um, you know, that's probably who I would put, you know, as, you know, the leader in the clubhouse right now. But I mean, I think Michigan state, I think is a, is legitimate, legitimately interested. I think he's legitimately interested in Michigan state, Oklahoma is another school is going to official. And then Alabama, of course. And if Alabama wants someone, uh, they typically get who they want. So I think that's a, I think that's another one obviously to keep in mind as well. That Orlando trio, uh, 
you know, Malik Bryant, Derek LeBlanc, and Peyton Kirkland. Is the thinking still that they could go to separate schools or do they, are they open to, not that they are like a package deal, right. but do you think there's a chance they do go to the same school? I mean, I, I, th- I do think there's a chance. I don't, I'm not like, I'm not super sold that they're all going to end up at the same place. You know, I think that this, I think they could, I think they very easily could. Um, I could see all three of those guys, you know, putting on Miami hats on July 23rd. I could see all three of those guys putting on Florida hats when on July 23rd, you know, I think that there's multiple schools here that could still, that could have something to say about this. Um, but you know, if it's not one of those schools for one of those guys, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I could see, you know, Malik Bryant interested in, you know, the Alabama's Georgia's, um, right. you know, those, those, I mean, Florida obviously as well. So, you know, I could see this going a number of different directions and maybe like two guys end up at one school, one goes somewhere else. And, you know, they're, I'm not, I'm not pinning them as like, you're either, you're getting all three of them or you're getting none of them. So right. I think that that could still be a, a day where Miami sees some, sees a win somewhere. And, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like just the body type, just how big, strong he is. He is like, Peyton Kirkland is like the offensive line recruit that kind of uh, Mario Cristobal will always want, right? right. He's going to be a guy that could be physical in the run game. Do you agree with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think he's someone that could end up playing it like kicking inside and being just like right. just an, an interior guard for them at at that size. And just, again, just kind of eating up guys in the, in the, in the run game for them. So, I mean, I'm not convinced that this is definitely a tackle body, but I mean, I'm sure they look at that frame and yeah, there's probably some, some baby fat or whatever you want to call it. I think there's definitely a way that you can, you can reshape that body. But I think uh, if you were to mold that in the form that, you know, I think it could potentially be formed. I mean, I think you, as an offensive line guy, I mean, you're talking about a potentially big time talent. So, you know, I, I, I could see the, the intrigue with Peyton Kirkland for sure. So those are three guys you feel like Miami made a big move for this spring. Uh, let's go on the flip side, right? Uh, cause there's, you know, there's the ups and downs of recruiting. Right. And uh, so let's go with three guys you feel like Miami's kind of fading for uh, right now compared to like where you felt like things were at the start of spring. Um, who, who would you put in that category? Yeah, a couple. I mean, a couple of big names here. I mean, it's, I feel like it's going to I don't want to freak people out by throwing these out there, but I mean, just kind of just got to keep it real. Yeah, just kind of keeping it real. I mean, I definitely throw Cormani McLean in that mix. Uh, the five star yeah, cornerback. I agree. Um, Jaden Rashada, the five-star quarterback. I mean, not from like the start of spring, but maybe when the Miami hype started compared to now, I think Jaden Rashada might be one to monitor as well there as well. And another one that kind of pains me as well is Hakeem Williams. You know, I'm not super sure about why he hasn't made his way back to Miami yet either. So I think that that's one to kind of monitor. And I mean, I honestly just, I think it's natural to feel concerned about what's going on there at this point. So let's parse those out. Cormani McLean, right? Um, he didn't visit this spring, correct? Do I have that right? He visited for Elite Prospect Day, but then right. didn't make he didn't he didn't come back at any time. Yeah, during the spring, which is not a good sign. No. Uh, what is like the buzz there? Because you know it seems like Florida Alabama battle and Miami's kind of dropped off. Uh, is that fair to say? I mean, yeah, that's, that's where, that's what I'm kind of assuming right now. And just not having talked to the kid. I mean, just kind of reading what's been going on with him there. Look, I mean, I think Alabama is going to be really tough to beat here just because again, it's a defensive back that Nick Saban wants. Um, you know, I'm definitely not ruling out those guys. And then Florida, again, just what they do in that area of just that region of, of Florida and how successful they've Polk been County. with all these guys, Polk County, man. I mean, that's, that's definitely Gator territory. I'm sure Mario Cristobal would like to have something to do with that to say about that one day, but you know, for right now, I mean, that's where Florida goes to get some of their dudes. So um, I think, I think that Florida, Alabama, I think it's turning into a Florida Alabama battle. I'm sure that there's other schools in the mix there too. I mean, I know he's visited Georgia in the past and USC and those types of schools, but I mean, right now I'd put uh, Florida and Alabama in that lead group. Okay. And again, this is just the ups and downs. We'll see if Miami can make up ground there. Because the evaluation period's right around the corner. Um, right. It's happening now, actually. So we'll see if Miami could kind of make up ground in this, you know, next six weeks or so. Uh, you mentioned Jaden Rashada, right? Because he visited mid-spring, I would say. Uh, yeah. And things were looking pretty promising there in terms of this could be Miami's quarterback for this class, which would be great, right? He's like a borderline five-star guy big time talent. 
So what makes you put him in this category of things kind of, kind of fading right now as we speak? Yeah. I mean, I'm not super sure about like, just like fading. I'm not completely ruling him out either, but I mean, I think we got to be real about the state of what, of what the, I mean, just the state of college football recruiting right now, um, really just what the market is for a five-star quarterback. Um, obviously there's been rumors about what, you know, certain quarterbacks have gotten reaching the $8 million figure in NIL stuff. So, you know, I just think that there's potentially other programs out there that are just making, putting together potentially very generous NIL packages that, you know, I think could be very enticing if you're a five-star quarterback and not saying that, you know, if Miami's boosters, that Miami's boosters couldn't compete with that. But I do think that, you know, the going rate is just, it's, it's a big number right now. And, uh, you know, I think if a school is willing to go that high with a, with a, with a five, for a five-star arm like that, um, I think that could potentially make things interesting. So um, I still think Miami's in the mix there. And uh, I do believe that, you know, they'll get him back on, on campus at some point, but, you know, he did just go visit Arkansas and uh, it seems like, you know, Arkansas did the whole deal where they offered the brother following the brother Roman Rashada, the former BYU commit uh, following the visit too. And, you know, Arkansas is, I think is a, is definitely a school to watch. They got this, Walmart this, money. They got Walmart money, man. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I think they got Jerry Jones money too. So I don't know if that's the same money, but um, <laughs> I know that they got a lot of, there's a lot of backing in Arkansas. So, um, you know, I'm sure they're, they're not short of cash. And Oregon's yeah. in the mix there too, right? With yeah, Rashada. and then Oregon. And I feel like I've said this from the beginning. Like Oregon, I feel like Rashada is like an arm that Oregon like cannot afford to lose, considering yeah. the way that the dominoes have sort of fallen out west with with some of those quarterbacks and Nico Yamalieva going to Tennessee and Malachi Nelson obviously committed to to USC. Jaden Rashada has to be the guy uh, for Oregon. You know, just them being a, him being a West Coast guy, and you know, obviously those two big arms off the board. And then Hakeem Williams, the local big time wide receiver, explosive six foot three, two oh five wide receiver. Miami was thought to be the favorite, right? In January. Um, is it, it tell me this, is this more of a situation where other schools have caught on to how good Hakeem is? And so he's just kind of exploring all options. Or is it a situation where Miami's just straight up slipping? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's uh, probably more of the former. Like, I think it's a, uh, I think it's just a lot of these big time SEC schools kind of figuring out like really how athletically gifted this guy is. I mean, I think it's hard to ignore what he did, um, you know, on the hardwood this past uh, spring, I guess, or even just winter. Um, I mean, led his team to a state title. I mean, not even a primary doesn't not like basketball not being his primary sport or anything like that. Um, I think he showed off some big, big time athleticism on, you know, just some of the things that he did out there, um, you know, for, for Stranahan and, uh, you know, again, you can't ignore the size of six foot three, um, you know, may potentially, you know, 185, 190, uh, you know, that's, that's the type of receiver that, you know, sort of just, those are the types of guys that just pan out, you know? So I'm sure, you know, the Texas A&Ms, the Georgias, the Alabamas, all those guys are all coming. Um, I'm sure Ohio state might be in the mix there somewhere as, as well. So, you know, when those schools start coming, I mean, obviously you got to do your due, do your due diligence. You got to go check those guys out. But, uh, I just think it's notable that he just didn't make it to Miami for any of these spring practices. I think that's, I think more than those schools making a push, it's, you know, him not just like getting back right. down to Miami, that maybe concerns me more than even, you know, the competition or anything like that. So we talked a little bit about Jaden Rashad. I'm curious, like, what is your feeling on kind of the quarterback board right now? Cause it's, it's been fluid um, right. and still is probably, but who are just the names to know outside of Jaden Rashada? Cause Miami's still in the mix there. Who are some other quarterback names that you would, you would highlight as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a really big deal that Dante Moore made it down to Miami for the third time, uh, you know, for the spring game. Um, you know, obviously, his, yeah, I mean, he's been tied to, the, you know, all the schools. He's from Detroit, Michigan. So he, you know, the Notre Dames, the Michigans, the uh, uh, Michigan States, all those guys all battling it out for him as well. Um, you know, he kind of hinted that Miami, I don't think he flat out said Miami would get an official visit, but I think he made it, you know, 
I, I think he kind of hinted that Miami would be one of those schools. I got one of those five official visits. Um, so I think Dante Moore is definitely a name to sort of track. I know during that elite prospect day, uh, you know, before Jaden Rashada's name really like emerged, it felt like, you know, that was the guy that some in the building thought could be the quarterback of the class or the guy that they thought they were really going to go after. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, turning the page on Dante Moore quite yet. Uh, you know, Malachi Singleton is another top two, four, seven arm that just visited for the spring game. Uh, it sounds like he's making a commitment next Monday. Doesn't sound like that's going to be to Miami. That might be to Arkansas. So how much does a, a potential Malachi Singleton commitment to Arkansas shake up the Jaden Rashada stuff? Who knows at all, if, 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 if it impacts it at all. So uh, Malachi Singleton might be another name. And then even maybe, you know, a couple of these quarterbacks that, you know, they've, they maybe just brought in for visits that they've been evaluating. I mean, Marcus Stokes, he committed to Penn state. Mac Howard is the guy I think some of the building really like he committed to Utah. I think they feel like, you know, if it really came down to it, they could potentially go press one of those guys, even potentially even a Mac Howard type that's from, you know, Louisiana or Mississippi that can, you know, maybe want to stay closer to home. And, you know, I feel like if they really felt like that's where it came down to, I think I could see them going after, um, you know, a, a Mac Howard and then even Eli Holstein's a guy that's still sort of on the board. Um, he's visiting Alabama. It sounds like that could potentially be where he ends up, but we'll visit Florida as well. And, you know, Miami offered him, you know, big time arm also from uh, the state of Louisiana. So a couple, a couple names out there to still kind of keep an eye on, but uh, yeah, the quarterback dominoes are definitely interesting for Miami. Yeah. We'll see how all that shakes out. Um, got to land a, got to land at least a guy who can be a future starter every cycle. So we'll see if Miami can, can land one of those type of guys, uh, in 2023, uh, as we go from kind of transitioning from spring to summer, we still got a ways to go till the summer. Right. But, um, who is kind of the recruiting target you are watching closest and why, like, who's a guy where you're like, okay, not that I'm going to judge this class by like how Miami does recruiting this guy or whether or not they land this guy, but like, he is a guy to me that's very interesting from a Miami perspective in this 2023 class. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a few, a few names come to mind and, you know, again, I think it starts up front for, you know, the, these guys in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think, I mean, Peyton Kirkland's obviously someone we talked about. Another name that I think is pretty intriguing for Miami is Francis Maui Goa. You know, he's the IMG Academy five-star offensive lineman. He's from American Samoa, but, you know, some people thought Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal had a really good chance at landing him at Oregon. And, uh, you know, is he someone that, you know, Miami could potentially you know, flip things around or well, not flip things around with, I think they're in a really good spot, but are, are like in the thick of the competition. But, you know, I think he's someone that, you know, if Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal could sort of, you know, just continue to really push forward to really, you know, potentially get some of that, like, you know, the official visit do all that stuff and potentially come out on top for, I mean, that's someone, I mean, Maui go is someone I'm definitely going to be watching. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like a few names come to mind. I mean, trying to think of anyone else like Damari Brown is someone that I think becomes like super important for Miami now, just because, you know, Dejon Johnson, uh, out of Tampa, he committed to Ohio state. If Corwani McLean's trending away, I think Damari Brown becomes someone from Damari Brown from plantation, American heritage, a Miami legacy. I think he becomes cornerback one for them. I mean, I think he's someone that I'm definitely going to be watching and seeing, you know, what happens there. And so, you know, Cedric I think Baxter, a, Cedric Baxter, of course, I mean, Cedric Baxter is, Oh, just a massive, a massive piece potentially for Miami at running back. I think Cedric Baxter is someone that is, you know, if he's someone that they can get on board, uh, you know, over the summer, anything like that, I think that would be big time as well. What is, uh, so, you know, this is kind of our first full cycle with the Mario Cristobal and staff, uh, you know, covering their recruiting efforts. Right. Yeah. So we'll, and we'll go out on this note, but what is like the biggest thing you've taken away or learned um, about this staff and, and how they approach recruiting? Uh, you know, just seeing how they operate during spring football. Um, what's your biggest takeaway so far? Yeah, I mean, I think they're all about it. I mean, I think it's just as important to them as anything else that they're doing. I mean, obviously, they're focused about on the guys that are on the roster now, but I mean, these dudes don't stop like these. I mean, it's really just a relentless effort. It's a, it's a, you know, just a, 
a high level pursuit. It's, you know, kind of going all in it's, it's, you know, going after the top names. I mean, it's just, it's just a different level of recruiting in terms of anything that, of course, I haven't been doing this a very long time, obviously, but I mean, just compared to what it's been like, you know, in the past, I guess, from my end, I mean, this just seems like just a whole different like category of just like what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And just, man, just about the amount of, I mean, I wrote something today. Like I was just literally just going there counting through guys and guys and guys like almost a hundred blue chip prospects. So that's four and five star prospects, almost a hundred. I mean, pretty much a hundred. I could have missed a guy here. It was like 97 that I counted that they had gotten on campus. I mean, it's just, these guys are all about recruiting. It's, it's the lifeblood of the program. It's, it's what Mario, it's what fuels Mario Cristobal. He absolutely loves it. Everyone around him has to love it. And I think even the guys that are, that were on Miami staff, previously that have kind of stayed on with this Mario Cristobal staff, they've had to embrace recruiting in a way that, you know, yeah, they, they did it before, but it's just on a completely different, different. it's just different. It's just different. So, you know, a lot that I've learned, I mean, I'm, I've been much busier, which has been really fun because I do really love this stuff and uh, you know, just tracking it has just been a blast. So um, it's, it's just next level. I mean, that's probably the best way I describe it. It's just next level from what anything that we've kind of seen here, you know, in, the recent past, I guess, I guess that's not a real word. One thing I've noticed is that they are, you know, this staff doesn't settle, right? They're not going to take low hanging fruit that they feel like they can just easily recruit. Right. I think this staff embraces some big time battles, right? I I don't think this staff shies away from going head to head against Alabama or Georgia or Clemson. Um, Whereas I feel like previous staffs, and this isn't just Manny Diaz, this is this has been a while now, honestly, multiple staffs uh, would shy away from those battles just because they assumed they would lose, right? I feel like this staff embraces those battles and they understand, yeah, we're going to lose some of those battles, but uh, when we win some of those battles, guess what? We, we landed a game changer. We landed a guy that can light up the scoreboard in some way. Um, and that's how you win in, in major college football. You stack those game changers. So, um, and, and also, I feel like if this staff loses some of those battles, uh, they just move on to the next big-time battle. Like, they're not, yeah. not going to go from chasing a five-star defensive end, oh, we lost that battle, now we're just going to take this local three-star that cross our fingers. Hopefully he can turn into a, a right. good player. They're going to, you know, chase the next five-star right down the list and right. try and convince him to come. So um, it's just, you're right. Like I, a lot of college coaches and I get, I get it. Like a lot of coaches aren't about this recruiting life because it's exhausting. Um, but Mario Cristobal is, and he sets that tone for his staff. So on that note, let's get out of here. Recruiting never stops. Uh, Spring evaluation periods around the corner for Miami. uh, And that's when the coaches can get out on the road and, and actually visit guys at their schools in person, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's another important step in the recruiting process, the evaluation process. And uh, Gabby will be all over that once that uh, starts for Miami staff. So appreciate everyone listening to this podcast. Uh, Your support means so much to us. And until next time, take care.